It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. It's the fighting. It's the fighting. Clock. It's the fighting. Mate, yeah. Welcome, listeners, to another episode of The Extra Inch. My name is Wendy, and I'm joined by my sidekick and best friend, Bardi. Hello, Bardi. Hello, Wendy. And our tactics guy, Nathan Lee Clark. Hello, Nathan. Hello. And I'm, I'm really uh, trying to sound positive, and I'm putting on this positive um, tone. I don't feel that way, but fake it till you make it, right, guys? Exactly. Right, guys? <laughs> yeah, let's do yeah. that. <laughs> Bardi, oh. what happened against Southampton, Bardi? Um, I think, I think it was a mixture of arrogance and stupidity and we just lost, lost a little bit of respect for Southampton and our midfield just kind of disappeared. The, the gaps opened up and there was just big green patches of grass for Southampton just to boot the ball into and turn us every time and we just needed to be a bit smarter and I don't know whether that's down to Pochettino being far away from the action but you'd think from where he was and being in constant contact with the bench he could he could tell them that but um it was almost like our midfield run out of legs and I, this is kind of where I put the fault fault for the game that's so you made some interesting points there but what I want to talk about first is really how 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 has this game made you feel so basically there's been this ultimate meltdown on twitter on social media in general spurs related i feel i feel like a lot of our fans have gone into a massive downward spiral top four's done the season's over we're going to get caught and i get it like i felt after that game yesterday i felt so low with spurs and that may have been due to the fact that i've been essentially bedridden for a week with man flu and feeling very sorry for myself and going stir crazy having not left the house but I really felt like yes I felt so low after Spurs yesterday how does Tottenham affect your mood and is this fully justified Nathan how were you feeling after that game I mean not great um I am generally quite good at not letting like uh, only allowing the positive side of football to to affect my mood obviously like that that doesn't work in total and obviously I was I was pissed off yesterday and I was upset um, but I, I generally cope all right with it. Um, and this season, especially, I've been quite. Um, it's probably been my season in a long while that I've been sort of quite apathetic and quite distant 
from what's happening week in week out obviously you know i still live and breathe tottenham and and i still care about what's going on but just on a weekly basis i've gone yeah i sort of know where we're headed i sort of know where we're headed i know what our problems are and i know they're not getting to get resolved right now and i know that there's a lot of positive and i've just not cared that i didn't care that much about the burnley result you know um but then this one it it feels very much like a, a momentum change simply on a um, like a mathematical table based basis, but yeah, I'm I'm coping all right. <laughs> how are uh-huh. you? I, I kind of want to come back to a point you just made there about um how th- this season being a little different. But Barney, let's let's just hear from you first. How how did that result affect you? You you've had a complete shutdown from football over tw- the last twenty four hours, basically, haven't you? Yeah, I, this is the first time I've actually spoken and thought about football since since um four minutes before the final whistle. My stream died pretty much as. Hugo Lloris was was trying to get near the free kick. So since that moment, I closed everything down and um, I've either been in the kitchen cooking or playing Resident Evil. Um, but this morning, a birthday card arrived from Tottenham. Which I, haven't, <laughs> I, I haven't even opened it yet and I'm debating whether or not to because on the front it says another great celebration. I'm just like, I don't, I don't care. I don't like you. I don't want any. It's like, I guess, I guess it's like your partner cheats on you and then they turn up with some flowers the next day. It's like, it doesn't, you can throw whatever you want at me. I don't like you now. And there's nothing you can do that can help that. What you should do, um, is take a video of yourself setting fire to that envelope. Um, <laughs> we'll tweet it at the Spurs official account from the extra inch account for the hashtag numbers. Uh, that is the best <laughs> use of that birthday card right now. But let's can I just quickly come back to Nathan's point because this season has been different, and I think there are a couple of couple of reasons why. Firstly, Wembley. Um, yeah, and I think you're both like me in that you're Buddy. You've 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 stuck with it. You're you're a season ticket holder. You've stuck with it. And you've been to Wembley a fair fair amount. And kudos for you, to you for doing that. I guess it's because you only live up the road, so it's easier for you. Yeah, I, it's been I, quite it's been quite useful. Wembley's um, half an hour door to doorway. From I my, mean, from my house. yeah, and, and to, to be honest, it's the distance of travel is, is actually a bit closer to me, but getting out after this game makes it about the same as getting home from White Hart Lane. Um, but I hate it. I hate the experience at Wembley. I hate Wembley Stadium. Um, I don't like the lack of atmosphere. I don't like the journey. I hate everything about it. And so I've essentially, I've been a couple of times this year and that's it. I've given up on Wembley. And that has, I must admit, that has really changed the way I feel about Spurs this year. Um, and I think possibly that's what Nathan's getting at as well. But it's not just that. It's the it's the new stadium. Um, not that I'm bothered by the delays to the stadium, because actually I'm not going to be a season ticket holder. It's not going to affect me every week. And I know that sounds terrible, you know, it's not my problem kind of thing. But I, I kind of get that big building projects overrun and that's kind of fine. I'm not that bothered about it. But the constant updates, the fan accounts tweeting regular updates... The Spurs official updates, the um, outrage at any further delays. I'm so sick and tired of it to the point where now it's been announced that we're we're going back for whichever game it's going to be. I'm actually not that excited about it anymore. And that's a real shame. I feel like I've just had my absolute fill of this stadium project. I I, I have to say that this year has been the first year where there's almost like... It's, it's too saturated. The social media reaction and commentary on every passing thing is, I'm tired of it now. I'm tired of the constant references to the cheese room. I'm tired of um, the, the picture from the press release. I'm tired of every single game is now 
live or die. We lose to Burnley. That's it. Tottenham will never win anything. We we beat Dortmund and we're the greatest team. We're going to win the Champions League. And it, it's this kind of swing from one moment of ecstasy to one moment of depression, which which we go through as fans. But now it, everything seems to be just like under the magnifying glass and vloggers and podcasts. And I guess maybe we're equally as responsible for this as well because we react to the games and we give a, put our voices out there. But this season... I, I am tired. I'm tired of this season. From Maybe it was the fact that we went into the season straight from a World Cup. And um, as someone whose team, whose, whose country they support wasn't at the World Cup, I had to endure everything else that was happening that wasn't I wasn't involved in straight into a season where we lost nine players immediately. <laughs> I'm, t- I, I, I'm just tired of this season. This season can get in the bin. <laughs> oh, you're so right. And Musa Sissoko's face in a pancake did not help matters, I must admit. I mean, um, what is that? What What is what is pancake Tottenham? I know, I get that it's not for me. It's not aimed at me. It's aimed at children <laughs> and fine. But seriously, like, just no. And if you're going to make that video, at least have the players there. You know, this is just a random person flipping some pancakes and making faces. It was so bizarre. Anyway, I'm not going to talk about pa- pancakes any longer. Um... Nathan, but, but you, I would I would like to add before be, become too negative. There is still plenty of good, nice things to have come out of this season. As much of a mess as it has been in parts, there's still some things which we can be excited about and be very positive about. Yeah, yeah. Um, let's come back to that because I want to make sure that we end on a positive note for for my own mental health as much as anything. Um, but something you touched on there, I really, I really, um, I'm intrigued with Bardi, and I want to, I want to tug a little bit deeper at that thread. So that's the the World Cup. I think that has, as well as the stadium, I think the World Cup has had a big impact on on the season for Spurs fans in two ways. Firstly, it was a massive high in the summer for Spurs and England fans, um, and that's a, that in the Venn diagram, that's a huge number of us. Um, it felt so. We felt so united in the summer and it felt great. And then we had that instant, oh, and by the way, half your players aren't going to make it back in time for the start of the season. So it was like, great, this is Spursy. This is just our luck. This is exactly what we didn't need kind of thing. We got off to a bad start and then we didn't sign anyone. So it was like, yeah, double double whammy there. Nathan, do you, does that, has that fed into it at all for you? Why why do you feel so um, different about this season in particular? Can you put your finger on it? Um, yeah, it's, it's all those factors... Um, there's that um, famous line in in Bruges where Tottenham are <laughs> compared to Purgatory, and I feel that this season is the the most um, <laughs> Purgatory. I don't know <laughs> what the word might be for that. Um, it, yeah, it just feels like everything is on is on delay, is on a pause. Is we we haven't signed any players, we don't have a home, and we're just waiting for things to take over. And um, I don't know, maybe all we need to apply to that is is patience. Um, but I feel that this mood that we are um, uh, focusing on right now is perhaps the reason for our poor performances of late. I think that if we feel this way, um, it's probably not unreasonable for the players to feel similarly. And if they're, you know, if the stadium is coming up for their next home match, if, you know, the Champions League is coming up in a, in a couple of weeks and, you know, they're just sort of posturing on trying to take third or fourth. It's hard to show up against Southampton at three o'clock on a Saturday. And I think that psychology is such an important part of it at the moment. Um, Pochettino is someone who who strongly believes in psychology. You get that from reading his book. He's a firm believer in all things that affect the player's mentality leading up to a game. I think he's got a lot wrong in the last few games. Um, 
psychologically. I think when Kane was out injured, Hyomin Son took on so much extra responsibility. He was the guy that was going to get us through that period when Kane wasn't there. And he was wonderful. He was absolutely wonderful. And since Kane's come back, Son has dropped. And for me, that comes down to Pochettino not doing his job in preparing Son in particular for the, for the next game. And what I mean by that is this is not this is not a slight on Son um because I think it's I think what he's shown there is normal human behavior. But with Kane being back on the pitch, there's a tendency to think, okay, I don't need to do what I was doing to the same degree because Kane's there and he can shoulder some of that burden. But actually, Kane's just back from an injury. We can't just rely on Kane to be getting all of our goals, although we have. Um and actually, what Pochettino should have done is get around Son and say, what you've done over the past month is incredible and I just need you to keep pushing for another month until Harry's fit and firing and back. And I feel as though that hasn't happened and Son's performances have really, really dropped off. They've, they've fallen off a cliff edge. Um, and as I said, this is not a slight against Son at all. I think that's perfectly normal human psychology. Um, but what you've just touched on there, Nathan, as well, to me, I, I, I do think Pochettino has to shoulder a lot of the responsibility. And, and another factor is the way that he behaved towards Mike Dean. He, this is marginally controversial, so apologies for bringing disrepute to our podcast, boys. But I, I have absolutely no sympathy with Pochettino over that incident at all. I think the way he behaved with, with Dean storming onto the pitch over what was a legitimate 50-50 call for, for officials. He was he let himself down and he, he showed how rattled he was. And as a manager, once you show weakness like that, I think, I think everything suffers. And I think he really shot himself in the foot with that. Um, not just with the, the way the mentality affects players, but then also not being on the touchline, which is something that Bardi mentioned. So Bardi, do you think that really had a tangible impact on this Southampton match? Poch not yeah. being there barking orders. Yeah, I, I just want to stand next to you on your point. I, you know, I love getting on a hill and dying on it, but I, <laughs> I, I want to stand with you on this point that I think Pochettino was out of order and you can talk about his, you can talk as much about his good behaviour and his attitude towards referees since he's been in this country, but it means nothing that if you act out, you can then not go back and say, look how good I was then because it doesn't take into account. But I, so I think that probably has an impact on his players. Um, on the way they they see him and the way he handles himself, he's meant to be the kind of standard bearer of like behaviour, and I, it, I, it's got to have an impact on the the ninety minutes of a game. Otherwise, we'd see more managers spend the the full ninety minutes up in the stands because we know it's a better view. We know um, you you're able to see the game better. Like if, when you go to the stadium yourself. Um, sometimes you prefer, some people prefer to be lower because they prefer the atmosphere. Other people, um, me sometimes as well, I like to be higher so I can see how the players are moving. And we know footballers, they're, they're children. And if you give them an excuse to act out or misbehave, basically the teacher wasn't there. It was a substitute teacher in Jesus Perez and we saw what the players were, what they did. Manchester United are a prime example. As soon as the players lose respect for the teacher, then it's gone. And then Solskjaer now is not doing anything special, but he's got these players running for him. So I, I think we give footballers an excuse to to misbehave and not perform and they'll take it. And that's kind of what they did on Saturday. The game was there. Um, take it, win it, destroy Southampton because they were all over the place. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promoting for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. And, and I wonder if Pochettino's whole hard done by act with, with Mike Dean fed into that as well. Nathan, do you, do you buy into this at all? Um, I'm actually sort of kind of a fan of the manager being up in the stands I think that just makes a lot more sense to me I remember um color me surprised <laughs> I uh I remember sort of um Sherwood going up in the stands back in the day and getting a lot of grief for it but I um I think that that's where you have the best sort of um view of the the shape and the space and the time um and yeah you can have some a member of staff up there looking for you and compiling video for you and all of that but um yeah, I I I think there are um, at the very least there are potential upsides to having a manager up there. So I don't I don't know if that. I also don't know what it's like to be a a player on a pitch with a with a manager on the touchline. So maybe that is a, a huge impact. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't think there's any right or wrong um, answer on this. To be honest, I think that there's just a whole bunch of factors that probably had an impact on psychology. Not least that we played pretty well in the first half against Southampton. And we probably should have been two or three up. Yeah. And perhaps then we did take off foot off the pedal. And so let's get into the nitty gritty of that game. Nathan, is there anything specifically tactically that you think went wrong in the second half? So I, I don't know if it was actually on half time or shortly after. Maybe it was actually on half time. Um, but uh, Hassan Hussle, um brought off Austin and um, Romeo for um, Sims and Long. Um, who are both sort of much pacier players than the equivalent, and they started to um, play longer over the top, longer to long, um, and play earlier, and also utilise Sim sort of high energy, and um, his through ball game is also really strong, um, and and just sort of gave a threat in behind and more of a buzz, and I think that they also, with sort of um, fresher legs up front, um, were more effective in their counter-pressing. And I just think that that generally swung momentum in Southampton's direction, and once it, it went, it, it stayed gone. Mm. Yeah, I, I think uh, I think what Southampton did was basically, it, it wasn't it wasn't a smart, well, it was because it was smart because they ended up winning, but it wasn't the most like, kind of delicate tactical manoeuvre. It was basically what Burnley did to us, keep forcing our depend, uh, defenders to turn and run towards their own goal. What we should have done is just counter it by sitting deeper and almost like just invite them onto us. Like we kind of did against Dortmund. We were nice and compact. We closed up the gaps. But I think also um, Dyer run out of legs. Uh, Delhi run out of legs. Yeah. And Lucas remained wasteful from the first minute. He, I would have personally, I would have taken Lucas off at half time because he had them on, he had, the, he had them worried, but he was producing nothing. So he needed to go. And bring Sun on, and if Sun had been playing that first half, Southampton are dead. I feel, yeah, yeah. I, I find, I'm struggling to disagree with that. I felt Lucas started the game well. He looked really energized, and he looked lively. He looked like he was willing to commit players, and it was working well. 
that very quickly faded, and he was absolutely horrendously bad in the second half. He basically did nothing until he came off. Um, I, f- I feel like Lamella would have actually been a really useful sub in this game, just to sort of just to add a bit of fight and steal, and just put some tackles in and slow their slow down their press. Mm-hmm. Um, anything to disrupt because it was clear, and this is this is a very common problem under Pochettino. It's clear that something's building, but he doesn't do anything to impact it until it's too late. And then, you know, as fans, you're then more frustrated because you can see what's happening in front of you. You can see that Southampton are building ahead of steam. They're probably going to equalise. They're probably then going to score again. I mean, as it turned out, I think we got a little unlucky in terms of the way they scored, given that Ericsson had already hit the bar from a really good free kick in the first half. Then Ward-Prowse takes a free kick where he shifts the ball forward, what, 15 yards? Was <laughs> It looked outrageous to me. How far... How far for that ball go, buddy. Um, I, I don't know, but it was. It was. If you could have asked Ward Prowse the most perfect place on the pitch where he could put the ball, he basically picked it. You know, where originally where it was where the foul occurred, he wouldn't have been able to have done that from there. Oh, exactly, exactly. And the defending for the first goal was um, pretty horrendous as well. I think we have to but agree. I think we also we miss Winks a lot because Winks is very smart on the ball. He can take the ball, beat a man under pressure. Whereas Dyer, he was fine in the first half, and I'm not a huge Dyer fan, but the moment his legs went, he just started going long, and he's not, he's pulled out one pass maybe in his career, which was from long distance. The rest of the time, it was just going nowhere near Kane. And the gap between Kane and the forwards and the rest of the team, it was, I don't know, man, you could have had a, a carnival in the space between them. So let's talk about happier times to end on a high note, um, because I thought the Dortmund performance in midweek was absolutely sensational. It was one of my favourite Spurs performances of the season. I was so impressed with how the whole team played and handled themselves in that match. Um, Nathan, let's start with you. What what did we do so well in that Dortmund match? I think um, we offered something of a threat early on. Um, we There was a slight tactical tweak where originally we were playing sort of a, a flat front two and both of them were dropping into defence to help out but then once we turned the ball over we didn't have anywhere to send it so we changed that around so Sun came deep and Kane stayed long Um, but we still weren't offering a huge amount and I think that we adapted uh, at half time and we moved to four across midfield um, with Sun becoming a winger and Ericsson moving over to the right and just said, you know what, we've got three goals in our favour and you've got 45 minutes to turn this around. I bet you can't do it. Um, and yeah, we, we were smart, we were sensible, we were calm. Um, and, and and in contrast to the Southampton game, we really cared. I really cared. Again, I you know, I, it's hard to get too upset for at the players for only sort of caring half the time when that is my own um, emotional response. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited about the Champions League going forward. And, and it must have been so draining psychologically, that Dortmund game, having, you know, the, the build up to it is draining yeah. enough. But then being under the cosh for 90 minutes and having to stay so focused, so switched on, just drains your energy mentally and physically. It was such a brilliant professional performance from our players. I was so pleased. Um, one thing I, I, I don't think you mentioned there that I've not seen us do... I don't think under Pochettino is we basically played a flat back five. Um, Davis and Aurier were so, you know, withdrawn. They, were, they they didn't do a whole lot of attacking in that game and it worked really well. I, th- I thought it completely restricted the space that Sancho and Guerrero had to work in. Royce was the one finding pockets of space, but Pochettino, contrary to what I've said about not adjusting things, he was really proactive. He said, OK, I can see that Royce is getting space here. 
I'm going to drag Son back into midfield. I'm going to make it a, a narrow four. And Sissoko is essentially going to be in that position that Royce keeps finding himself in. And it worked brilliantly. It, it stopped any... Well, not any. It stopped the majority of their um, their, their positive moments. And I was so, so pleased with that performance. Um, Kane, obviously, absolutely sensational. When he had that moment uh, when Sissoko put him through, he just never felt like he was he's going to miss. S- he's, he's Sorry, Chris. He's been so good since he's come back from injury. He's looked so fresh and sharp, uh, you know, contrasting with the rest of the squad, obviously. Um, but it's, it, it goes without saying, but it's so good to have him back. It really is. And I have to say, first half against Southampton, it was so good to have Delhi back yeah. as well. And those two linking up, that is one thing that gives me a bit of positivity if we're thinking about the, the top four race and the run-in. I feel like this little break now, this international break, the players aren't going to be around at the training ground for the whole time, sure. But there's going to be a lot of days that Pochettino has time to work on stuff. And he is training ground manager. He's someone who does a lot of work with the, the players on, on systems, on strategy, on philosophy. And he, he needs that time and will hopefully see benefit from that. Now, the downside of that is we play Liverpool next, which is not the ideal match. But there are things to be cheerful about. We've got time to get players back fit um, in time for that. So, you know, against Liverpool, we could actually run out our potentially our best eleven. That's the first time that would have happened in a hell of a long time. Um, that's assuming that Winks is, is fit again. Um, with that in mind, what do we do with our midfield? Is wh- who, who do we play in midfield against uh... Liverpool? <laughs> what a question, yeah. eh? Because now, we, now we've not had the um, we've not often had Sissoko, Dyer, and Winks um, being available at the same time, and you know Winks and Sissoko being in good form. You, you kind of think you need Dyer against Liverpool probably to match up to their three. I posed this question to Twitter a few weeks ago saying, look, if these are the, we've got, you know, um, four players, three positions, Ericsson in the mix as well. And a couple of people did vote for him. Um, Who do we drop? And and Dyer was by far the favourite to be dropped. I think purely for tactical reasons, I'm, I'm less certain. I understand that Dyer is the most out of form player of that bunch. um, But we've been crying out for a defensive midfielder all season. Um, and I might get some hassle for this, but I would like to see how we look without Sissoko. Now, Liverpool probably isn't the game to do that because you want his energy and his ball-carrying ability and his his sort of transitional threat, Um, so it's probably not the game to try it, but I would be interested to see how a dire Winks and Eriksen midfield looked at some point. Maybe that's too lightweight. Maybe we do need Sissoko always at all times for his carrying when we don't have a player like him. but I, I would like to at least see it experimented with again. Interesting, interesting. I think um, I think Soko is essential against Liverpool, but I, I fully take your point. I, I do like the idea of uh, Winks and Dyer together in the pivot. Um, Bardi, you said you had some positive feelings. Let's end on those. Tell us why. What what are our reasons to be cheerful? Um, as you mentioned, the the Delhi Kane relationship is back. Um, they just seem to know where each other are. Um, the, there was one little flicked header from Delhi that went through to Kane who I thought he could have done a little bit better with against Southampton. So there's stuff like that that makes me feel positive. The way we um, reacted to um, the, the press from um, from Dortmund and the stress of the tie, we didn't make any mistakes. Lloris was impeccable. So th- there's there's a lot to be positive of. And it's almost, it's kind of like become the Premier League is now the... Um, the League Cup for Pochettino. And there's, you, you just get that kind of League Cup, FA Cup yeah. vibe now off his teams. 
which is which is really wrong because we're still miles away from winning the Champions League. And if you if you're putting all your hopes and dreams on winning the Champions League, my friend, that's a <laughs> that's a big, that's a big dream. I know you got we you shoot for the stars and stuff, but that's that's quite a quite a horse to be. Echoes of glory, mate. Yeah, but, but that's true. I mean, yeah, I, I, w- I would take finishing fifth. I'll take I'd take finishing seventeenth. Well, no, maybe not seventeenth. I'll take finishing <laughs> trying to work out which one gets you relegated. I'd take finishing sixteenth and winning the Big Champions time. League. That be- boys, I, I do feel slightly better. So so thanks for this. <laughs> so we're here to help you, Chris. That's all, mate. Cheers, guys. Cheers. We'll end it there, boys. But we've got some podcasts coming up soon that we've uh, been planning for a while. Um, Bardi, you've put together one about fullbacks, which I'm very excited to record. But also, we're going to do a Champions League uh, look back podcast at some point as well, which will be fun. Um, so listen out for those. We've also got an exciting announcement coming soon. Um, but I'll, I'll just dangle that carrot and I'll, I'll leave it there. Ooh. Thank you very much, Bardi. Thank you, Wendy. And thank you, Nathan. Nice one, mate. And speak to you both soon. Thanks for listening. I'm just recording a quick addendum because I forgot to say something which I wanted to say on the podcast, which was a very big thank you to Paul Duffy. Uh, Paul is an extra inch listener, a Dubliner living in Boston, and he did something this week which he didn't have to do and which was hugely appreciated. So I just wanted to say thank you to him for that. You're clearly an excellent human being, Paul. It's the fire in. It's the fire in. Interesting, mate, yeah.